you have to take a risk-based prioritization approach to what should become an end-to-end test. Welcome to Uptech Report. This is our Applied Tech series. Uptech Report is sponsored by TerraLeap. Learn how to leverage the power of video at TerraLeap.io. Today, I'm excited to be joined by my guest, Dan Whiting, who's based in the Bay Area. He's the co-founder and CEO at ProdPerfect. Welcome, Dan. Good to have you on. Thank you, Alexander. It's good to be here. Now, ProdPerfect automates the testing of web applications for quality assurance. Uh, or on your website, if you dig it a little bit further, autonomous builds, maintains, evolves, and end regression testing suites by analyzing live user traffic on your application. However you look at it, help me understand, though, Dan, what was the problem that you initially saw and, and set out to solve with ProdPerfect? So I suppose to start, we are like an onion. There are many, many layers to what we do. Um, and to go all the way to the top layer of the onion again, I suppose I'd really start with uh, software engineering as a whole is kind of chaos. Uh, there's a big industry turnover, constant demand for new folks, little understanding of practices. It, it becomes kind of an eternal September continuously. Um, and you know there are folks that really know what they're doing, but they're kind of like the Zen masters. And some of them have the tidbits of wisdom that are like just perfect Cohen's. Some kind of look like Zen masters and just beat children with sticks. And that kind of like frustration in the field um, has driven me to do a lot of things differently. But um, one of the most infuriating things is sort of because of all this chaos, a developer really has to put at least half their time into making sure that what they're doing is building good code. It's actually moving the ball forward instead of, yeah. It takes things back. So, so you, you've been in, in the software development world for, for a long time. You saw the issues and you're saying, basically, you see the turnover, you see the issues and, and does everyone really know what's going on? And, and some people seem to know everything and Zen Master can understand. But in many cases, uh, it, it's just, it's difficult to maintain a good team that can can do this. And so your focus is to come in and help the, the workflow, particularly when it comes to, to testing. Right. Yeah, there's kind of, um, there's a spectrum of different tools, um, a spectrum of different practices, each of which help figure out if you're building the right code in different ways. And, um, you know, sometimes this gets represented as a testing pyramid. The one that people frequently put at the top, the one that's most difficult, slowest to write, most expensive, most painful, blah, 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 end to end testing. Testing something the way an end user would through a full experience of the entire system under test. Mm-hmm. And because of how complicated that is, uh, it's where a lot of teams' testing practices really start to break down and rot. If there's, you mentioned there's, there's a lot of ways one could approach this, this testing, and, and there's even solutions out there. Where you guys are focused on is performance testing, regression testing, load testing. Does I get that right? I actually just, uh, let's see, end-to-end regression testing is our core. Gotcha. End-to-end regression testing. And, and where, how are you kind of approaching it differently, or how is your approach, and why would someone want to say, okay, prod perfect, I, I get it, and now I see the value. So one of the things that um, sort of the Zen masters get, but nobody, like everybody struggles to apply is 
you have to take a risk-based prioritization approach to what should become an intent test. If you try to test everything, or if you let just subjective opinions drive what gets tested, you end up just constantly building a morass, building a like kind of uh, a, a ball of scripts of testing as opposed to something coherent. So the first big thing we do is figure out, hey, what should be an intent test in the first place? I guess that's a lot of, uh, uh, and take a lot of time itself. Okay, what should we test? What should we focus on? Because if you're going to do it, it takes time and energy. So knowing where it should be testing is a good use of the time, good good energy to, to focus on? It's, uh, to be honest though, it's just the first of the layers. It's just the starting point. Um, because you can't, <sighs> um, there's enough complication in what should be tested that in order to really figure out have you tested it, you have to have a practice around not just figuring out what to test, but making those tests a reality, making sure that they're continuously useful. And then as we state, evolving them over time. For you guys, uh, 2018 uh, began incorporating yeah. everything started um can you can you walk me through of just like uh the development and where the product is today like someone signed up what, what would they be getting how does it work so let's see i uh, initially um i suppose we were noodling the idea um uh november october range of 2017 um it was actually my co-founder and I, uh, we went to Poland to go and check out tech hubs in Eastern Europe, just sort of on a lark. I was thinking I would move to the Bay Area and join some company. But in the process, we ended up meeting all these guys sort of grinding out startups and kind of got inspired and started pitching a startup idea around that we got traction on with you know just words like just talking to people like people got excited about this thing that we didn't have anything we were just talking about a thing um so yeah we, that's when we came back to the states incorporated in january um initially to your point we were looking at performance testing as being sort of more niche easier to break into but had a number of conversations with folks where uh we were pitching them an idea be like, oh yeah, we do this and we do this and we do this. And then we analyze it based upon how much should be sent and, you know, then get a load test for you guys. And a couple of those conversations end up like, well, shut up. You're going way too far. If you just stopped halfway through that and just automatically build end-to-end tests and kept them maintained, we would pay a ton of money for that. Mm-hmm. And that was the early-ish uh, 2018 moment where we really realized that we had something. You know, there's no no one that was going and doing the full spectrum. And there are a few even tools that people were sufficiently satisfied with or even understood sufficiently to do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. After that, we actually got a couple of customers based on a very consultative product for that very early on. We were able to MVP the crap out of this. Um, and it was a lot of man behind the curtain. Uh, do you know the phrase? 
Yeah, <laughs> you were there. You had tweaking. Oh, oh, let's just make that perfect. Yeah, right. So many tweaks, yeah. but that got our first customers, got our first implementations, got us in the door with an accelerator, ERA out of New York. Uh, ERA, we went and got a bunch of customers through just their network, got us our seed round, and then it's just snowballed from there. So it, starting from, you go over to for, on, on a lark to Eastern Europe, and, and then you see these folks that are they're grinding out startups. You're like, oh, wow, this this could be something. Maybe we, maybe we could do this. And you're like, let's spitballing ideas. You see, actually, maybe around the testing space or something. And people, you see there's interest. You're already right there. This could be built into something. So you come back, you start it up. Uh, then you start to narrow it down once you've built it and finding that there's a, a space unmet need when it comes to um, this end-to-end testing, um, regression analysis, and, and you get your first client, a, a customer, uh, building more consultative give, but man, behind the scenes, you build it, it happens, and seed round, and then it, it goes from there. So tell me, understand, like today, if someone signs up, walk me through the tech stack, like how does it, how does it work? So start the conversation. Hey, what if you didn't have to hire a bunch of people in QA engineering to scale up testing of your development project? What would that mean to you? How much faster could you go? How much cheaper could it be? Great. The world's probably significantly better. So many fewer nightmares, so much faster. Um, Usually the next question is, oh, that's impossible though. Great. Perfect. Here we've got a black box that makes it possible. Let's open up the box, start walking you through how does each of those pieces work? How can it really be done? We look at the customer's application and say, here's what end-to-end testing would look like for you guys in particular. This is what a a spectrum of tests might look like. Here's where you'd want to put extra attention. Here's where you might want to ignore. Here's what we can't test. Give me a use case of one of your customers that you can talk about of of how they're using it. Sure. So uh, the one we like going back to uh, fairly heavily is Negotiatus. Um, they're one of our customers that we picked up through ERA. Um, they have a system for procuring office supplies, like office supplies, e-commerce organizations that have a bunch of office managers need to acquire these things. Um, we uh, figured out with them, okay, you've got a fairly straightforward application and testing works really well for you. Uh, you we, we figure out sort of a scope of an initial engagement, a pilot structure, what we do with them. And then they install our tracking snippet. Our tracking snippet, very similar to Google Analytics, uh, gives us information about the entire spectrum of what their end users are doing. We then have this analysis engine, our system behind the scenes that grocks that data and breaks it down into, okay, based upon what we're seeing, this should be a test case, this should be a test case, this should be a test case, and just keeps spitting them all out. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, it's able to project, okay, you will have covered X percent of user behavior if you build tests up to this point. This is our projected test suite. This is what we think should be the thing. So in the pilot, then we go in and start building those out and showing them what they look like in a test suite. And if they go forward with us with the pilot, okay, now we're, we've got these built scripts. We're continuously analyzing end user behavior. We're continuously analyzing what the test suite is currently covering. We can figure out, okay, what should be the next test suite? Or what should be the next test script? Or how should we change an existing script to handle more behavior? 
it's not just a one time that it's built and then, okay, now we have it and it's just running, but it's, it's always announcing that first step. So you can adjust the second part where you're doing the actual end-to-end testing. Right, which intuitively makes sense. Like if you hire a QA engineer to work on a QA engineering project, you don't hire them for like two months and then, oh, you're gone. Like, no, you're there through the life of the project. You are continuously working on likely, you know, same as uh, like a same sort of framework as us, like a test cafe, a Cypress, Selenium, test suite that you're just building up additional features, improving the quality over time. Gotcha. When it comes to the space of QA testing, What's, what is, what are you most excited about as far as the direction that you guys are headed and like the roadmap and what you could share? So let's see, uh, oh, we're excited to get this down faster and faster and faster. Um, it's like a being efficient, more introducing more efficiency. Yes. Uh, one of our, one of our issues, meantime to magic. You have to install a tracking snippet. That tracking snippet has to send us data. We have to process the data to test cases. And then we have to actually even build them all out before you really see what you, you get. The faster we, more we make that loop a shorter time frame. you know, obviously faster duration times, better for everybody. Wow. So it, it's, it's being able to eventually get to the point of, of, of null. Of like, all right, boom, click a button. And then you, we now know what your users are doing and, and we can build tests around it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and there's, it's an onion. There are so many hairy problems all the way down. There's like framework improvements you have to make, constantly make. There's infrastructure improvements you have to make because you don't just want to test one browser, you want to test multiple browsers. And actually one of the usually like showstopper kinds of problems that everybody has to figure out is every application is wildly different. How do you handle test data across these systems? Uh, and so any all of those things contribute to our roadmap of like, oh, this thing's starting to break down at the scale. We got to work on this. Oh, this thing's breaking down at the scale. We got to work on this. How, how do you manage the, the, the quantity of, of, of um, you say, application interactions? That it, it, is it so varied or do you truly, is it you see the commonalities among it and it's not actually that varied when it comes across? Every... Um, every web application has unique behavior. There's certain like obvious features that everybody has, right? Or almost everybody. There's in fact, even exceptions to this. Like a login flow is generally the same sort of thing. A yep. reset password flow is generally the same. A settings page is gonna look like a settings page. There's certain like shopping cart, even those have variants. There's certain things of yeah. like, common features, but uh, every, um, the things that are truly, truly common and like sufficiently common that like you don't really need end-to-end testing, it's like a blog or a Shopify page. Mm-hmm. Everything where you handle, where everything where you like, if you're hiring an engineer, a software engineer to build a product, you're doing something custom. Like, cause mm-hmm. otherwise you would have gone to WordPress. You would have gone to Squarespace. You would have gone to Shopify. Right, right. What, as far as the, the tools that have been used in the past for, for this type of testing and QA testing, I mean, uh, are you... Are, there, are you focused on any integrations or is, is it really just like you've built all your own custom um, solutions to be able to do that, all the testing? So we do have a, uh, like a vertically integrated approach where um, you know, we work with Test Cafe as our framework, open source framework. Um, uh, 
we have obviously a bunch of open source frameworks that we use for our infrastructure, but we also have integrations here so that if folks want to rely on browser stack or sauce labs for setting up browsers, they can do that. We have a, a partnership with Apple tools. So, Hey, if you want our tests to feed Apple tools, uh, visual, uh, regression testing, visual AI comparison, um, they can do that. And then, uh, the way that we build out test suites, they're, just naturally integrated with every CI on the planet. You know, anything that can run a terminal, a bash, can run prod perfect. So let me, uh, sw- switching back to just this conversation you said earlier, uh, how you introduce the product to someone and say, uh, do you really need a, your, your, your a QA engineer person? Can we just remove them from the equation? Do you truly see the future where there, there are just no more QA people needed and just it's all automated? So let's see, for the kind of end-to-end testing and simulation of users, long-term, yeah, I see that being taken up by more and more smart tooling. Um, I think, actually, one one way to compare this, um, uh, I started my career as a software performance consultant, somebody who knows how to profile an application at load. Uh, niche field, not very many of us, not many, very many needed. Application performance management tools came up. Things like New Relic, uh, nowadays, like Datadog. And they kind of obviated the need for us to show up to a lot of engagements. They were just doing all this stuff all the time for everybody. And it's not like we disappeared as a field, but... Um, fewer were needed it was more specialized um instead of being something where um you had a stock engagement now you had something that's truly like oh this is an interesting engagement this is like uh, a novel experience and to be honest for the most part um uh qa engineers are kind of inherently um like it's inherently support it's inherently back office one way or another. Most QA engineers find the better career path is to move into software engineering. It just is like on average, far better paying, far more it, glory. Is, is QA engineering like, like a, a first step in the, in the field that, that someone can frequently. get in? Very okay. frequently. Yeah. So what's, what, what, what do you see as then just as pontificating here? If, if truly it does get automated that, that entire field and just like your, your, your micro field change, um, what will be the new entry field uh, that a QA, previously QA engineer would have done that now that they could do? So the um, thing that's actually almost a little bit of a mystery to me, like I've um, taught a number of boot camps at this point, you know, how to become a software engineer, how to get a job, six figures off the bat, no experience anywhere else. And truly like, some of the tools that we relied on entirely online. Every single thing that you wanted to learn, free courseware online, the training projects, literally everything. Um, So far, there are like only a very tiny number of people that will take on just learning those things by default as a single thing without some push from a boot camp, some push from a social experience to do it. My guess, uh, uh, the training materials, the training programs will be, get even cheaper 
be more effective, more people will see how they progress. You know, eventually you'll have enough people who like go from high school degree to job at Google based upon nothing but the internet. That's like, oh, this is sort of an obvious path. We should do this more. It's going to go, instead of just, I'll get a, a low level job is like, I'll get the specific training I need, every, all the tool sets that I can just immediately go to a good job. Yes. And there's, um, I mean, obviously any market eventually, you know, you use it up, but there's so much demand for software. It's not like, <laughs> we're just going to make more software projects. It's not, it's not like a loss. <laughs> Which then we'll have great automated tools for the QA testing of it. Uh, yes. Yes. And the ideal is that with good tooling, with good practices, it makes it easier to level up your art. Mm-hmm. So to be able to focus on, oh, you know, I can, I can have the safety net behind me and I can focus on, you know, we don't do unit testing. Unit testing is a fantastic way to level up your skills as an engineer. Uh, uh, we can easily recommend practices to folks to say like, hey, here's what you need to look at to build out your unit tests so that you're thinking of how to write good code. Right, right. For um, your, the per- people that are usually uh, hiring you guys, and, and, or, or rather you, using your, your platform, your service, um, they're like VP of engineering or CTOs or head of engineering that they're like, all right, let's, let's just change how we're doing it in our, in our organizations and how we're approaching this. If you're speaking to them, I mean, what, what kind of word of advice would you give them as far as you know, where we're headed and what we're looking at? Hmm. I, I mean, the obvious is like use prod perfect, uh, but I, uh, the best singular advice I give to other CTOs, VP engineers is to go and network with the ones around you. Um, most folks get so deep in their own projects or their own things that they don't have a chance to like, you know, what is it like to be an engineer or an engineering manager and some other company? And you only get that with like decades of experience in a long network. But if you actually put the time into like, you know, go and talk to the other CTO next to you, like, oh man, you can really level up your skills and level up your expertise really fast. In terms of the stuff that's coming down the road, uh, I mean, uh, there's going to be more and more intelligent testing and tooling like Perfect. Um, you do always want to keep track of those tool sets. And you want to figure out what's the stuff that can make you a more effective cross-functional team than having to silo down skill sets. So that's what I generally look at. Like things like uh, serverless or Docker are great tools to help you be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you past experience, you actually were a director uh, of engineering at another firm previously. So you, you were in the space, you were in that role and you saw this, this position and understanding <laughs> it's good to be looking around and seeing all your options, uh, both the te- when it comes to technology as well as people. Yeah. Like. Uh, my, my last CEO, Susan, she, uh, one of the uh, best moves uh, I ever did for my career was, uh, have Susan tell me that like, oh, hey, you should really have a mentor in the field. Like, oh yeah, obviously. And she helped me find uh, a great mentor um, uh, in the Boston area. Uh, the person who was the uh, director of engineering at uh, Local Linux at the time. Mm. It, this, this journey of, of constant learning and it never ends. I think for, for, for any of us, um, when, when you think of the future, um, 
if um, if you could ma- wave a magic wand just for fun, I'm curious what if you could have any sci-fi futuristic tech. Uh, <laughs> wave, 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 wave a magic wand. Oh, singular magical tech. <sighs> you know, I'm I'm actually like half tempted to say crazy full generalized AI. Like, let's just bring on this full singularity bring it on. right now. Like we're all looking at this, like we don't know where the future is going anyway. So why don't I just dive right in and see what the heck happens? You, you, you have no, nothing holding you back from saying, let's just, let's just see what. I, I <laughs> sometimes you look at the world and you're like, it can't be worse, right? So it can be worse. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see where it goes. And I wonder actually how, how um, I imagine a general AI would actually have their built-in, their own um, automatic testing selves that they'd be doing. I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? Yeah, let's fix, let's fix that uh, and, make, and make it where it goes. Thank you so much, Dan, for, for both the insights of this journey that you've been on, as well as uh, the product itself. Um, for those that want to learn more, um, they can go to prodperfect.com. And what's a good kind of first step for them to take when they get there? I easiest thing to do is just, there'll be a bot, a chat bot right on the site that'll go and message us directly and we'd love to talk to you guys awesome well thanks again dan it was good to have you on the series absolutely thank you for having me uh again everyone thanks for joining us on uptech report go to uptechreport.com to see this full interview and other interviews and we'll see you on the next episode of uptech report that concludes the audio version of this episode to see the original and more visit our uptech report youtube channel if you know a tech company we should interview you can nominate them at uptechreport.com Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.